in my class. Testing, testing. Hi. Hi there. Welcome back to another episode of the Life Intermediate. We do the Oliver's show as ASMR style. <laughs> we should really do an ASMR episode. That would be so funny. What's going on? Kai! Don't try to make erotica happen. It's not going to happen. Okay. So you're going to tell me the pinnacle. The pinnacle. So one fateful night, Dr. Bruce Rowan, a local emergency room doctor, and his wife, Debbie, got a babysitter and went to see the Titanic. Oh, like the, like, under the sea titanic leo kate winslet they went on to the they went to see the movie the titanic (laughs) i'm sorry my brain's still stuck in ocean gate which will be coming soon if you want us to talk about that well that's how i found this story because i was searching the titanic the titans the submersible which if you're watching this 10 years in the future (laughs) the submersible just imploded and that's been crazy to watch and yeah. watch that unfold. I can't. I'm going to do, I'm going to talk about it okay. one of the weeks on the podcast, but. I want to know about fine. those people that were on it for sure. So, okay. yes. Katie, I said the vibe is movie night and they went to see the Titanic. <laughs> yeah, I guess you did say movie night. I'm sorry. You said they went to see the Titanic and I was like, there's so many options. <laughs> okay, let's back up. Let's just pretend like. It could be a different option, okay? <laughs> Dr. Bruce Rowan, a local emergency room doctor, and his wife, Debbie, got a babysitter and went to see the actual Titanic. <laughs> <laughs> no, when you say it like that, I feel like you mean the Titanic song. <laughs> the movie. The movie. Okay. I'm following. Le- Leonardo <laughs> DiCaprio, Kate Winslet. Gotcha. Kathy Bates. They went to go see the movie. Okay. On the way home, they're in the car. And Debbie's like, oh, that movie was so great. The the visuals, the throwback, the music. Throwback, yes, Debbie. The 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 love story. It was all amazing. I loved it. Dr. Bruce hated it. What? Hated it. Got stuck on it for years how much he hated this movie. He said, quote, it was filled with shallow silliness. Okay. Interesting. Okay. So more about that later. I'm going to tell you all about Bruce's life, and then I'm going to catch you up to that night they went to the movie. Okay. Bruce was born in 1964. So he... Today, he would be 59 years old. And when he was born, he was born to a very good family. 
They were rich. They had everything they needed. They were all super smart. They, it was just a really good family. And he was born the last of six kids. And all of his older siblings, they were super smart. They were good athletes. It was just not how we grew up. <laughs> <laughs> One of his older brothers graduated from Harvard Business School, just to give oh, you an idea. Okay. I mean, you did say he's a doctor, right? Yes, he's a he is an emergency room. So, Bruce had one older sister who was born with brain damage. So, I, I said all of his siblings. So, he did have one that struggled. She had some emotional and some mental issues. And Bruce really had a hard time with that because he would get embarrassed of her. Aww. And then he would feel terrible guilt for being embarrassed of her. But, God, I can totally relate because I would be, like, embarrassed to be seen at the Dollar General when I was a little kid. Like, yeah. Now I'm like, I'm going to the Dollar I got this. <laughs> right. But when you're little, you know. Yeah, you've got all your peers and mm -hmm. it's hard. Yeah. And Bruce, even though he was from this really good family, he was really smart himself. He had all these amazing siblings. He always felt just inadequate and like everybody was better than him. He just didn't have good self-esteem. By 12, he was having suicidal thoughts. Damn, 12 years old. 12. He would think about it so much that he would think, sit and think like, how can I make it look like an accident? Aww. Because if I kill myself, then my amazing family will be embarrassed. Not like they'll be sad. They'll be embarrassed. And they won't be amazing anymore. Right. So he was obviously, though, really good at hiding all of this from his family. Because in high school, he was, like, one of the top in his class. He played football. And he was wow. voted class president twice. That's crazy. Yeah. That's sad. So he graduates high school and he starts the University of Idaho in 1982. And it's still there when he goes to college. He's still super depressed and just really struggling with his mental health. He's lonely and he's having trouble concentrating. Then it got so bad he was having a hard time even getting out of bed. Okay. So he's like, I'm going to go talk to the college counselor. My parents won't be embarrassed. Like, they won't even have to know. Yeah. So he goes to his college counselor and he tells them everything. He's like, I can't get out of bed. I used to have these thoughts. Like, I, I'm really struggling here. Can you help me? So they said, yes, we can help you. And they gave him brochures on time management. So, like, best wishes. <laughs> and nothing else? And nothing else. What? The 80s. The 80s were uh, not the time. Didn't have them at all. I mean, especially for men. Mm -mm. Suck it up. Yep. Manage your time better. Yeah. You're having trouble concentrating? Well, you need to spend more time having trouble concentrating. <laughs> right. Yeah. Concentrate a little harder. Yeah, just try harder. Yeah. Oh, that's sad. Mm-hmm. So, 1986, he graduates with his undergrad, and he starts applying to medical school. So, he starts... University of Washington Medical School. And guess what? Same thing. Same thing. His mental health problems were not getting any better. But now he is reporting that sometimes he would just be like in the library studying and just start bawling. He just start crying. Aww. I know. That's sad. I know. He's really having a hard time. Man. He said that sometimes he would put on like old borrowed clothes or dirty clothes or clothes he bought at the thrift store and go down and just sit on skid row because he felt like he belonged there more than in medical Aww. school. Wow. That's just, I mean, that just goes to show that you can have everything. And still have that. Yeah. Yeah. So finally during his second year of medical school, they're studying clinical depression. And he starts reading all of the signs and symptoms. Mm -hmm. And he's like, that's me. That's what I have. I can't believe nobody's caught this sooner. So he goes to the doctor. He tells the doctor. And they put him on antidepressants. 
And finally, he starts to feel better. Good. Yes. The end. I oh, love a I love, good story. I love a happy ending. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> Damn. So 1990, we're up to 1990. <laughs> He's wrapping up medical school. And he starts a pediatrician rotation for okay. medical school. During that same year, he reconnects with a high school friend, Debbie Fields. Remember the very beginning of the yes. story? Debbie comes from an amazing family also. Privileged. Her father's a lawyer. And But personality-wise, Debbie and Dr. Bruce, totally opposite. Really? Okay. Yeah. He's very non-confrontational very quiet very passive and debbie is feisty and assertive okay and so they they kind of have to really work on this relationship but yeah, yeah that would be tricky they move in together and while they're together debbie goes it's a hot long holiday weekend debbie goes on a girl's trip so when she leaves he decides this is a perfect time to kill myself Oh. It's back. Okay. And was a, it's like really weird thought process. Like he was, he's always thinking about everybody else, but he wants to die, but he wants to be like considerate. So Debbie's out of town and also it's a long holiday weekend. So they'll know before Tuesday that I'm dead and they can get my shift covered. Oh, I mean, isn't that crazy? So. He takes an entire box of Unisong. Okay. And then goes out to his car. And he, his plan was to, I think, do something in his car, whether like shut the garage door and just go to sleep or drive off a cliff. He wasn't, I don't know that he really thought it all the way through, which is odd considering he plans everything. So he just starts hallucinating on a whole box of Unisong. Okay. And then he starts telling himself, okay, well, now I'm all messed up. I can't even know what's real and what's not. I'm going to end up screwing up this suicide attempt. And that will be more embarrassing. Oh, my goodness. He's <laughs> a very prideful man. He really is. I know. But he said, what if I try to kill myself and, like, I don't finish it all the way. And then I'm disabled, either mentally or physically or both. And now I'm alive like that. That'll be even worse. And that'll be an embarrassment to my family and a burden to Debbie. And so he just goes to the student health services. Man, so it's like he talked himself in and then right back right. out. Went to the student health services and told them what they did. So they immediately took him to the hospital. Yeah. And placed him on a psych floor and kept him there for a while. But he was eventually released. Debbie comes home from her trip and they kind of just put this whole thing behind them and they get married and then sometime around 1996 they have a daughter me yes just, well, just kidding <laughs> <laughs> yeah don't, no you don't want to be their daughter okay yeah. <laughs> <Tell me> more. <laughs> so they moved to Fort Angeles Washington and Dr. Bruce gets a job under contract it's like a staffing agency kind of thing because okay. they, they had just moved there and so they placed him at this hospital as an emergency room doctor so now we're up to January 11th 1998 and I'm going to introduce some more people to this story okay this is about a little baby named Connor McInerney Connor with one N, C-O-N-O-R, McInerney. And he is the three-day-old son of Martin and Michelle. So Dr. Bruce is at the hospital working this evening in the emergency room when Connor arrives. It is reported that Connor was home with his young, first-time parents when he stopped breathing in his mother's arms. His father had started CPR and EMS ambulance had, you know, taken over and taken him to the emergency room. As soon as he, little Connor comes into the emergency room, Dr. Bruce takes over his care, but immediately requests that the nurses call Dr. Eugene Turner. Dr. 
Eugene Turner is a local pediatrician in his 60s. Katie, the entire town loves this man. Okay. Loves him. He had delivered a third of the babies in town. So from all the other doctors, he had delivered a third of them. Not only is Dr. Turner this amazing doctor, he's in the Peace Corps, and in his free time, he would chop wood for poor families to heat their house. Okay. He's a huge donator for the Habitat for Humanity and has even helped, like, physically build houses. Really? This is this Dr. Turner that came in to help Dr. Bruce. Dr. Bruce reported that when Connor came into the emergency room, his arms, fingers, and toes were all purple. And it was estimated that he had been without oxygen for at least 20 minutes. So neither doctor can can save little Connor. It's determined that he's brain dead. And they go out and tell Martin and Michelle, who are in their, like, one's 20 and one's 21, I think. They're babies themselves. They're like, hey, he's gone. It's just, like, the machines at this point. And they understand. Oh, the three-day-old baby. That's so sad. I'm just getting started. You're not going to believe what I'm about to say next. Okay. So... They unplug, they let Con- they call the time of death, they let little Connor go. Michelle and Mark- Martin go home devastated, obviously. Right. So now everybody kind of leaves the room, and it's just the emergency room nursing with little Connor's body. And she her plan was she was going to carry him to the morgue. I mean. Yeah, he's a baby. But there's some paperwork you got to take with you and stuff. So while she's waiting on them to kind of get the paperwork together, she's in there cleaning up the crash car and and the room in general. While she's cleaning the room, she suddenly hears a little gasp. No. And then another one. Baby's not dead. And she walks over. Can you imagine? It's night. You're in the room with a little person that is gone, and you start hearing these noises. No. She walks over, and she looks at little Connor, and she can see his chest Aww. rising and falling. She puts his, her hand on him, and she can feel a little heartbeat. Yeah. <laughs> so was he was he dead, and he came back, or did he not actually die? What is happening? I know. So, she uh, like another nurse is either coming in the room or she like opens the door. It'd be like me at work being right. like, Katie, can you get the hell in here? Yeah. So she has an, another coworker come in and she's like, can you please just look at Connor? Tell, tell me what's going on. That, that nurse sees the same thing. He's taken five or six breaths in a minute. Like, they're, they're definitely like, slow, but... There's life. There's life. She checks. He has a heartbeat. The nurse runs down the hall and finds Dr. Turner and Dr. Rowan out in the hallway. And she's like, <clears throat> you got to come back in here. This is what we're observing. I don't know what's happening, but please come back in here. So they go back in there, and Dr. Turner, who's the old 60-something yeah, pediatrician... Picks up the baby and starts like vigorously rubbing his back. And then they're all just kind of like, what's happening? Right. So they just sort of watch and they put the monitors back on and they're just watching. And they put the oxygen monitor back on and it's like 90s. Okay. He's breathing. They, the other people reported in the room that they watched Dr. Turner the baby's laying there breathing he would sometimes just close its little lips and hold it hold his mouth closed hold his mouth closed and they would watch the oxygen drop in the low 90s and the high 80s and the low 80s and then he would let go and then the oxygen would rise back up okay during this whole time katie 
no one calls Connor's parents. They've already called time of death. Right. They're li- they've called time of death, and it's so concerning that the nurses are saying, do we chart? Right. Do we not chart? Yeah. So one of them started taking notes in pencil so that they could edit it as they needed to. Right. I mean... Then Dr. Turner says, I'd like to be alone with the baby. What? This doctor is getting more and more suspicious. So they're all like, okay. So they leave the room. But you know how nurses are. I mean, they're going to keep an ear out. So they're right outside the door and they start hearing all of the alarm. Why he didn't take the monitors off, I have no idea. They start hearing all the monitor alarms go off. The one brave nurse just goes back in there. Yeah. And she witnesses Dr. Turner covering the baby's nose and mouth. And he says, I just couldn't watch this go on any longer. What? Then get another doctor in here. Yeah. Nobody calls the cops. Nobody calls the cops. Nobody calls the parents. Nobody. No, no. A respiratory therapist that had been there that was kind of monitoring this whole thing ends up turning it over to the hospital, like review board. So then it does eventually make its way to a police investigation. But that night, no. no. So did Connor pass away? Like, yeah. Oh, yeah. At Dr. Turner's hand. Okay. I'm not saying he might not have passed eventually. Right. But he sped it up. He. Dr. Turner is charged with murder. In this town that everybody loves this doctor. Mm-hmm. Of course, he's got an attorney and, and he's going to fight it. And, and oh, yeah, I'll, I'll come back to that. Still trying to figure out what this has to do with the Titanic. Yeah, so now we're back up to the original date night. Okay, we're at the movies. We're at the movies. This Theater. This thing with baby Connor. So you've got to remember, doc, this is all happening to Dr. Bruce Rowan, who already has all these mental health issues, yeah. already has depression, anxiety, suicidal thoughts. This is two months after that. Okay. And I told you that Dr. Bruce did not like the movie. Right. But one scene in particular really bothered him. Have you seen the Titanic? It's been so long, but I've seen it in full one time. Okay. And then I've seen like bits and pieces, like when it's on TV or something, you know how you kind of stop and get sucked in, but you don't see the whole thing. I'm going to describe this scene and then you can find it on YouTube. Okay. Okay. It was the scene where the Titanic has already hit the iceberg. Okay. And everything's chaos. There's a deck officer that's up on top. It's helping passengers or his job is to help passengers get on the lifeboats and get out safely. Yeah. But you can tell he's just panicked. The people are coming at him frantic and he's like, stop, stop, wait your turn. And they just won't. So he pulls out a gun and shoots somebody. Okay. And that person drops. Then he turns the gun on himself and dies. Yeah, you'll have to look for it. So Dr. Bruce later claims that this just did something to him mentally. So they're on the car ride home, and Debbie's going on and on about how much she loved the movie. And he's just over there in a tailspin. Yeah. Kind of like yesterday when you were putting the toner in the printer. (laughs) I wasn't. Everybody else was being loud, and the phone was ringing, and you couldn't get the printer toner back in the printer. Yeah, it was not good. It wasn't good. <laughs> yes. And, and then when I'm like that, and people are like, let me help you. <laughs> I'm guilty. <laughs> I 
I see you're struggling. I would love I know. to take some of that pressure off of you. I know. I you should like, embrace it. You literally said, I can't get this to work and I don't want any help. It's <laughs> making me so mad. You just said you don't want any help, but I can't help you. <laughs> Finally, I relented. <laughs> so, Doc, Debbie and Bruce are now home from the movies. Okay. Okay, they made it home safely. That's what I was nervous about. Yeah, no, they're home. They relieved the babysitter. Um, the babysitter had left them, like, notes. Like, your sister called Debbie. The, the, like, okay. So, everything's normal. Debbie calls her sister back. And they go to bed for the night. Okay. It's probably, like, 11.30 p.m. Almost midnight. At 2 or 3 a.m., the police are knocking at their door. Dr. Bruce answers. He's he's then informed Debbie has been found in her car, crashed into a ditch, dead. Debbie, his wife. His wife. Just just a couple hours after they went to bed from the movies. Okay. Multiple police had responded to the call of the discovery of Debbie inside her car. And all that had viewed her pretty much immediately thought it just didn't look right. Really? Debbie had two large gashes in her forehead. And when Dr. Bruce was notified of the discovery of his wife, he said, oh my gosh, she's just gone to the store. I must have fallen asleep. I was a little worried. Somebody thinks about that sentence. Mm, that's an indirect quote. I haven't, <laughs> I haven't done an indirect quote in a you while. Have not. Yeah. <laughs> that wasn't verbatim, but it was basically like, oh, I, I was asleep, but I knew she went to the store. The store at 1130 at night? What do you need? Yeah, Go to right. bed. <laughs> so the police come in and they're asking some hard questions because yeah. they already think it looks suspicious. And eventually one of them says, your wife did not die by a car wreck. Someone killed her, put her in that car, rigged the gas pedal, and left it to look like a car accident. And we're gonna figure out who did it. So police are having like these tough conversations with him, but they're also having like little side conversations and they'll come back and talk to him okay. and then they'll go off to the side and they'll talk to him. And while that's happening, Dr. Bruce is like, okay, I'm going to go check on my daughter since you guys are clearly talking, right. talking shit about me over there. <laughs> so one of the police officers like, that's fine. I'll go with you. So they go up, they look at the little gal and she's asleep. And then Dr. Bruce says, I'm going to go to the bathroom. And they're I'm like, not trusting Dr. Bruce. No. And they're like, okay. So then he's gone for a little bit and they're like, Where's he at? And the other one's like, he went to the bathroom. And they're like, by himself? What's he doing in there? Yeah. So then he comes out of the bathroom. Okay, he comes out. Holding Annika, his daughter, covered in blood. What? He had grabbed a kitchen knife. Stop. Went into the bathroom and stabbed himself multiple times. Oh, stabbed himself? Himself. Himself. Yeah, baby's I mean, even still, like. I can't imagine stabbing another person, much less yourself. Yeah. And he wasn't, you know, you hear about people that like killed somebody and then they stab themselves and it's like, like to make it it's a scratch on their arm. Right. Or no, he jammed this what? steak knife into his heart. He was stabbing the crap out of himself. He was stabbing himself so good. <laughs> I don't know why I got I don't myself. know where that came from, but guys. <laughs> Sad story, I thought, or touching or touching. something. <laughs> you stabbed yourself so good. <laughs> okay. They start first aid, get baby Annika, and get an ambulance on the way. The entire time, Dr. Bruce is telling them how to treat his wounds. He also directs the cops to an emergency phone list and who to call for Annika. Like, like he's just coordinating everything. He's helping. Yeah. Again. He's the emergency like, room doctor. Yeah. Triaging everything. Himself. Yeah. He's r rushed to the hospital and his injuries were really, really severe. He required hours of life-saving really? surgery. Yeah. While he's in the hospital, of course, now the police are going to search 
Like this house. Everything. Every single room is just basically blood soaked. They just hadn't gotten there yet. The mat, their mattress had been flipped over and the bed remade because it was like he had killed her in the bed, right? And then just like flipped the mattress over. Point. A bag of bloody clothes in the garage, a bloody axe, and a bloody mini baseball bat. Yeah. I mean, the evidence <laughs> is stacking up, sir. Right. Oh, and I forgot to tell you that Debbie had a five hundred thousand dollar life insurance policy that went into effect. The day before. Of course she did. The day before. Be subtle, sir. Right. That's also weird, though, because that's not what I was expecting. I was expecting after your your scene from the Titanic that something was going to happen to her or their daughter, and then he would then in turn. Uh, oh, gosh. Yeah, no. You didn't see all this coming, no. did you? So, <laughs> meanwhile, meanwhile. Meanwhile, while this is going on, Dr. Turner is facing murder charges for baby Connor two months earlier. So can you imagine being in this town in Washington and your two doctors doctors. have lost their shit? One's killing a baby and one's killing his wife? No. I know it's insane. Wow. Most of the town was on the side of Dr. Turner. Keep in mind, the man smothered a baby in front of a nurse. Right. And children in the town were doing fundraisers. Churches. They loved this doctor. They loved him. The whole town knew him. He had chopped firewood for him. He had helped build their house. But what else has he done? Right. If he's doing that to a baby. He even, like, while on trial, was like, I did nothing wrong. They'd be like, did you put your hand over Connor's nose and mouth? Yes, I did. But he was already brain dead. He had a, he was breathing on his own. All right. That's, that would be for the parents to decide. Yes. Not for him. Yes. Eventually, the charges are dropped completely. Are you kidding? No. He, he went on to practice. He's, I think, might still be practicing if he's still alive. What? Yeah. So Bruce Rowan goes on trial for the murder of his wife and pleads insanity. I know. He testifies on his own behalf and relives everything he did that night. He kept saying he was watching himself do these things. He hit her in the head with both the baseball bat and the axe. Then he used a lawn cart to move her body to the car, propping the gas pedal and sending her into the ditch. He told of the time he spent cleaning the house and flipping the mattress. I mean, he just gave a full-on confession. Katie, the jury comes back and finds him not guilty. Really? By reason of insanity. So I don't have the exact dates from here on out. I guess I got time to write this story. But I do know... That he spent several years in a mental institution. Okay. He was released. Um, and then at age 50, he died. And his obituary was literally just like date of life, date of death. Really? Yeah. No cause of death. No survived by. Nothing. So it turns out he really did embarrass his family. Yeah. Because he, he died before his mom did for sure. Um, and I suspect it didn't say why, but at 50, I mean, unless he got cancer or something, but he probably committed suicide. Right. Um, if you're interested, there's a book. Okay. I am interested. It says, read the chilling true story of two trusted physicians who shocked a small town. And the book is called Bitter Medicine. Okay. By Carlton Smith. I am interested. I do enjoy a book. Yeah, I think that would be an interesting book. We could probably get four hours of content out of that. Yeah. I mean, I just tried to briefly go through his timeline. Right. And, the, I mean, the story of baby Connor alone, that his parents went on to sue the hospital. Did they? Mm-hmm. Okay. I don't know what they got, if anything, honestly. 
because the whole town was so against them. Like nothing had been wrong right. by them. I tried to look them up. I couldn't find anything on them. It is creeping. Yeah, I hope they went on to have a nice big family and live happily oh, ever sad. after. Oh, that's interesting. I will be reading that book. Okay, good. Bitter I'll Medicine. Share. Bitter Medicine by Carlton Smith. Bitter Medicine. Okay. I'm going to see if I can find it. Um, and start reading it this weekend. No, you're not. Are you serious? Yes, I, I'm serious. Oh, well, I wonder when a plan comes together. <laughs> I do like, I do enjoy a good book. Okay, good. Yeah, yeah read it. Well, I'll let you know how it is. Yeah. Alright, so having told you all that, what's your vibe? My vibe. I'm gonna try to bring it uh, bring the bring the vibes up a okay, little bit. Okay, sorry. No, it's okay. It was a good it was a good um story. My vibe is crime. My vibe is who done it. Who done it? Who done it? My vibe is celebrities. Okay. So um I wanted to, I had no idea what you were going to talk about today, but I wanted to keep my portion of this episode a little bit more upbeat than last week. Okay. Because last week's story was kind of dark yeah. for me. Um, so we're going to do a little game, you can call it. I'm going to give you a scenario of a crime that's been committed by a celebrity. Oh. And I want you to tell me who you think the celebrity was. Okay. 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 There's some of them in here that I was like, yeah, I definitely knew that. I definitely knew who did it. And then there were some I was like, I had no idea. I feel like I'm going to be good at this. I think you will be too. So. The first one. Fans? Of this actor were shocked to learn that he was accused of sexual assault, battery, and misconduct conduct, um, stretching back decades of upwards of 60 women. What? In the 2010s, so I'm not going to tell you what year, okay. he was convicted of aggravated indecent assault that was later vacated by the Supreme Court in 2021. I can give you some I can give you some hints okay. if you want. Yeah, give me a couple hints. Um <clears throat> I could be wrong, but I I think like in the early 90s he was like one of America's dads. Okay. Okay. He's also a comedian. He was. Okay. I think now. <gasps> Bill Cosby. Bill Cosby. Whoa, yeah. Bill yeah. Cosby. That's, yeah, I do. I did know about that. I don't know why I blanked out. He's, I, it's okay. He's a monster. Yes, he is. Mm. This singer was charged and pled guilty to assaulting his partner in the late 2000s. The assault occurred during an argument about another friend. The singer was placed on probation and after violating his probation, served jail time for seven months. Ricky Martin? What? <laughs> Ricky Martin? Tommy <gasps> Lee? Shut the hell up! Are these too easy? Did I get it? No! Oh! <laughs> what do you mean are they too easy and I'm guessing the wrong I answer? thought you were just like messing with me. No! No! A singer assaulted his partner over a fight about another friend. Another woman in the late 2000s. In the late 2000s. And he served seven months. No, they're not too easy. Who? Chris Brown. Oh my gosh. Uh, I gotta get plugged in. What? Okay. Just flashback. Yeah. I feel like I'm gonna be good at this. I think you will be too. Because just a second ago, you're like, I'm gonna be so good at this. I know. I'm, I'm gonna really... guess every single one. Uh, 
did come under fire just like a couple of months ago or something, didn't he? Well, I think that's why he was top of mind for me because I knew him and his partner. I just well, I, uh, yeah, yeah, you're trying to trick me, and you did, you did. Um. Okay, this actor. Okay was arrested for assaulting his then wife on Christmas Day in 2009 in Aspen, Colorado. He was officially charged with a felony men- menacing in criminal misdemeanor. After he posted an $8,500 bond, he was released from jail the same day. Charlie Sheen. Yes. Yes. Okay, I'm getting unplugged for now. Okay. This former child actress was charged with marijuana possession, reckless endangerment, attempted tampering with evidence in 2013 when she threw her bong out of the window out of her midtown New York City apartment. The following year in LA, she was charged with driving under the influence. That's our girl, Amanda Vine. Yes, it is. Yes, yes it is. The bong out the window lives forever. Really? Yeah, yeah. I wouldn't have. I don't think I would have guessed that. I mean, I know that she's had some struggles. We're yeah, going to call it. Yeah. Because um, I always put her, I guess Brittany is just a little bit outside of her, but Brittany, Amanda, and Lindsay yeah. all together. Yeah. They were wilding at the same time. They really were. Yeah. Lindsay Lohan, though, oh. she's pulling it together. She's about to have a baby. Yeah. Uh, what? What? You what? don't know that? No. Yes. Kelly oh. Aaron is getting ready to have a little baby. Oh, dang, I better get back on the internet. Yes, you do. <gasps> no, I did not know that. That's amazing, though. This actor participated in his first drug deal when he was seven years old. At age 10, he was arrested for the first time and served his sentence at East Lake Juvenile Hall. Years later, he was imprisoned for drug dealing and robbery. All in all, he spent 11 years behind bars. This actor? Actor. His first drug deal, he was seven years old. And at age 10, he was arrested for the very first time. Damn. 11 years in prison. I'm not going to get that one. I, I wouldn't have got this one either. I can't even give you any hints. Danny Trejo. You know who that is? No. What? <laughs> Still doesn't help. What's Danny Trejo in? You'll know him if you see him. This this man right here. You know who that guy mm-hmm. is? Sorry. What? Yeah. Well, that's a good story. Seven years old. Do you know who Danny Trejo is? Am I saying his last night name right? <laughs> Mistake. If you know who he is, comment below. What was Please, he in? Just freaking comment something. <laughs> Make it up. I don't care. You yeah. can he was on this podcast. Yes. Um, okay. At 16 years old, this actor went on a drug-fueled rage, seriously injuring two people in the process. He was charged with attempted murder pleaded guilty to felony assault and was sentenced to two years in jail, but he only served 45 days. Gone. No. Mark Wahlberg. Mark Wahlberg. I caught myself. I love this next person. Okay. This businesswoman was charged with securities fraud obstruction of justice and conspiracy related to the I'm clone stock trading case in the early 2000s. I see you looking at my shirt. That's Snoop's friend, Martha Stewart. It sure is. <laughs> she's great. She's, she's really turned it around. Yeah, she's, she's hip. I like her. She is hip. Okay, this is one I didn't know. During a trip to Northern Ireland in the 80s, this actor and his then-girlfriend, who was an, also an actress, got in a car accident that killed two people. 
He was initially charged with causing death by dangerous driving and faced up to five years behind bars. But the charges ended up being downgraded to careless driving, and he was fined $175 for two people losing their lives. I don't think I know about this either. Who was that? Harris Thiebler. Matthew, no. Matthew Broderick. Who was his girlfriend at the time? Um, Jennifer Grey. <laughs> Sorry. Oh, I was wow. trying to give you another hint, like, um, Ferris Bueller, but I couldn't think of what her, they call her baby on the movie. Yeah. I couldn't think of that. And babies. Yeah. Oh, that's terrible. I didn't know they were a couple. One. I did know they were a couple. But he's fine. $175 mm. for killing two people. That's crazy. I saw a video clip one time of Jennifer Grey saying that, like, in one year she was engaged to, like, three people. What? Yeah. Matthew Broderick was one of them. I want to say Johnny Depp was another one. Oh, okay. I'm intrigued by that. Yeah, let me see if I can tell you that, because that, isn't that fun? That is fun. Johnny Depp? Did Johnny Depp and Winona Ryder date, or did I make that up? Yeah. Okay, they did. Okay. Okay. I was nervous. I was like, is yes. this about to set? That they, was a big age yeah. camera. Okay. I thought that was the match. Oh, she was engaged to Johnny Depp and Matthew Broderick in the same month. In the same month? Hot Girl Summer. Okay. <laughs> Get it, Jennifer. Hey, I, I, I would have been engaged to both of them in the same month, too. You would? Yeah, I'd marry Depp, though. I was just, I don't know that I'd be interested. <laughs> I mean, I, I was Ferris Bueller's day off was my era, so. Yeah, that's fair. Okay. In a highly publicized trial okay. in the 90s, this professional boxer was found guilty of sexually assaulting 18-year-old beauty pageant. Desiree Washington. He was sentenced to 10 years in jail, but only did six. Mike Tyson. Yes. Was it because I said professional boxer? Yes. <laughs> Fair enough. Yes, I will give you that. Clue was pretty good. You didn't want to give it up. I didn't. I was really trying to think because these all do say like. Um, you could have said pro sportsman, right? Okay. <laughs> I've been trying to like. Leave out some of the words so you wouldn't know. I would have immediately been like football, basketball then. Okay, what about this recording artist? Oh, okay. Criminal criminal charges. Sorry. Cut. This criminal artist's (laughs) You you got it before I did. I said it and then you really degree murder oh dang at 19 he was arrested on possession of cocaine um later or in the 90s later he and his bodyguard were charged with first and second degree murder from a drive-by shooting but were later acquitted should knight no biggie no tupac no I'll give you a hint. Okay. He's in this room with us right now. <laughs> he is? <laughs> God, creepy. <laughs> he is the one and only Snoop Dogg. Let's <laughs> see my pants. That was a good one. Jake's family and Taylor, Taylor Swift. Swift. <laughs> and not, no, I don't 
VIP 拍过就是 Jaybox， 就是来我说。If you are watching, please, please, what's the bring the vibe to us? Oh, I know what the vibe. All right, that's why I said bring it. To <laughs> Let's vibe, Snoop. Let's vibe. Oh, that was good. Okay, one more. This actor has had several run-ins with the law. In the late seventies, he was arrested for drug. Trafficking, after police found more than a pound of cocaine in his suitcase, he remained in jail until eighty-one. After that, he returned to work in Los Angeles. I am pretty confident that that is Tim the Toolman Taylor. <laughs> yes! yes, yes, yes. Oh, yep. That was the last one. That was the last one. Oh my gosh, Kate! I love when you mix it up like that. I think so it's fun. It's interactive for me. I, know. <laughs> I love it. I think my favorite so far has been the revealing yeah. of the men that Taylor Swift has dated. That was fun too. That was fun. So, oh, that's well, all I got. That's it. Thank you guys so much for watching. Um, don't forget to send this to your friends. Like, like share, share, comment. comment. Thanks again. And that's, that's the, the vibe. vibe.